What's going on? It's Kilo. We're back for another episode of the regular podcast on the regular network. It's real. First things first, let's start it out by making sure that you go subscribe to the channel right now. It's like below, hit subscribe, hit the little bell turn the alerts on so you can get notified every time we drop some content on the platform we need to get these numbers up man also go follow us on instagram at the regular network catch us on reddit at the regular or r slash the regular topics you know we're trying to get some things going on reddit also um again it's a little bit late right now for me anyway so you might hear it in my voice i'm a little dry i got my water on deck i'm a little bit dry right now so I'm going to try to get right through this and right to it. Okay. Now, first thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that Young Thug and a couple of his homeboys, co-defendants, have picked up a couple new charges. All right. The new charges are pretty much related. And I'm not going to even spend too much time on this part of it, but we got something else to talk about with Young Thug. Um, the new charges are pretty much related to the things that they found at Young Thug's house when they raided the house. So the day he got arrested, the authorities went in his house, raided it, found drugs, guns, and stuff like that. So the new charges are pretty much just related to that stuff. Um, the fact that they charged a couple other people with the stuff that they found in Young Thug's house is just, I guess, pile on. Those, uh, those um, attorneys gave statements. They feel pretty confident that they'll be able to get that stuff thrown out because they don't live at that house. That's Young Thug's house. They're not telling on him. But they're just saying, like, we don't live there, so you can't charge me with that crime. Whatever. But Young Thug more than likely will have to wear that because I'm I'm not sure if he's a felon, but if he is a felon, just having firearms at your house, you know, if you get caught with it, they they gonna handle that the way they handle that. The drugs, I think the I think they were saying those are for present for single possession or to, for use and not distribute. So I don't think he's being charged as like a distributor of, of narcotics or anything like that. But the more interesting thing about this YSL case is some document just leaked in the media. And it from the, the gossip of the city T. All right. I don't know how they got this document, but it leaked. And it's a document pretty much with detailing some some type of crime right but it has a name of somebody who was informing the government on the YSL, YSL gang the person that they name in this document is Kenneth Copeland and pretty much what he's describing there's only one page that came out in this document the, the crime he's describing is the shooting that happened back in 2015 where young thug supposedly rented a vehicle and someone got killed from a shooter out of that vehicle so supposedly Kenneth Copeland is saying like he's corroborating the story to say that Young Thug was a part of it. He was there when it happened. He was in the vehicle. They even jumped out of the vehicle, got in another vehicle and set it in the car. They killed Nut or whatever. All right, let me just read a little bit of it because it's, it's like, bro, they got you like bold letters just like telling the police what happened. Kenneth Copeland, one of the eyewitnesses and close associates of Williams, stated he was with Williams when he returned the car and used an 
the car used in the shooting and advised he knew it was one of the suspects used in the drive-by shooting. Oh, he knew it was the one the suspect used in the drive-by shooting. Kenneth Copeland stated he was in the parking lot of a McDonald's immediately following the shooting. This McDonald's is located on Old Hapefield Road in Cleveland Ave, Atlanta. Kenneth Copeland says he observed Williams driving his personal car, a white Jeep, pull into the parking lot, observe Demakeon Garlington, Demise McCullen, Shannon Jackson, Diamante Kendrick, Garlington exited Williams's car and entered Copeland's vehicle and told him they just killed Nut, referring to the remaining occupants with Williams. So pretty much, Kenneth Copeland is not only saying a young thug was there, he gives this list of other guys who was there, and he said that the, he, Copeland is like, it wasn't me, but this guy Garlington got in my car and told me that they just killed this other guy. So that's the document that just came out. So a lot of people were like trying to figure out who was telling in this case. Now we at least have one name of a person that's been telling. And this is them describing a murder that happened on January 10th, 2015. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit crazy because Young Thug was a star at that time. Like it wasn't like before he got famous. This is So if, if, if this would have been Young Thug going on a hit in a rental car, or in you know in some type of vehicle on a hit in 2015 like he could have easily been spotted by pretty much anybody but this guy copeland is, is saying that like he knows for sure young thug was involved he was there he knew about it he was in the area afterwards the uh police document saying that they have cell phone data that does say that young thug was in that area immediate area for sure at the time of the shooting so man it's just crazy, you know, I know a lot of people were saying like they think Young Thug, that's a weak argument to say he rented the car. So, you know, why would Young Thug get in trouble just because somebody else took his car and went and shot somebody? But this is what I was trying to tell y'all the whole time. Like, or a lot of people were trying to tell y'all, they have informants in this case. They're not just grasping for straws here. They have people in that organization that are telling on other people in that organization and giving good details on what was happening. Not only that, the phones that these guys had in jail came from the police. They were pre-tapped phones. Okay, so they have all this information already. That's why it's probably why they wanted to make such a big deal out of this YSL case, because it's like their trophy case. They, they are pretty confident they can win this case against these defendants. They're very confident. That's why this is the trophy case, and that's why they're making such a big deal out of it. All right. So, man, uh, brother, uh, brother Kenneth Copeland. Mm. I also found some other stuff about this this fella, man, Kenneth Copeland. And I, you know, forgive me if this is not the same person, but it's in the same exact area, and this guy is in Atlanta getting in trouble like just months before this whole thing, right? So he is one of 12 people, Kenneth Copeland is one of 12 people who have been arrested back in 2020 in Operation Phoenix, where they, you know, I guess when the pandemic first started and everything got locked down, as soon as people were allowed to come back outside and be in places and events and things like that, the crime in Atlanta went high, very high. Violent crime in Atlanta went up. Murders went up. 
So 2020, July 2020, there was like 24 murders in Atlanta alone. And that's very high for just one month in a city like Atlanta. Not to say Atlanta is like the most peaceful city in the world, but it doesn't, it's not known as like the murder capital type of place. So 24 murders in, in, in Atlanta in one month is a whole lot. And they felt like this guy was involved with some of that stuff. So when they put Operation Phoenix together, they said they wanted to get 12 of the most violent gang members that they could think of, arrest them, and they felt like crime would fall. And according to them, when they arrested these 12 people, crime did go down a little bit. I mean, a lot of murders weren't happening so much. And, and the federal government was involved in helping Atlanta PD with this. They gave them resources so they could track people down. Uh, scoop them up, charge them properly, all that good stuff. And this Kenneth Copeland guy was a part of this. So this this was this roundup happened in October 2020. The reason I'm bringing that up is because some people might be thinking, why would he tell on Young Thug and his YSL thing when like all you got to do is keep your mouth shut and everybody can go home? Well, the thing about it is he was already in trouble. You understand what I'm saying? Being that he was already in trouble as a lot of people do who can't handle the trouble that they found themselves in, instead of standing on the life that you chose to live, he looked for an outlet to say, I want to get myself out of this, right? The way he got himself out of this is to say he wants to make a deal. I'll make a deal with you, Fulton County. Y'all y'all look out for me. I'll give y'all a big fish, a superstar. I'll give y'all multiple superstars, actually. I'll give y'all YSL. And clearly, based on a document that has leaked, now I want to I want to um, give a disclaimer here. The document that leaked, we have no way of authenticating it because it's not like the government will come out and tell us that's an an accurate document. It would it would be up to us to keep on following the case and to see if this comes back up in the court later on. But as far as we know, we think this is an accurate, legit document. Somebody could have photoshopped it and made it look like a real thing. And Kenneth Copeland is actually not the person informing the government on any of this. But the way it looks, we'll say allegedly for now, the way it looks, Kenneth Copeland is allegedly helping the government take down YSL by at least, in one instance, describing a murder. And describe, not describing a murder, but putting YSL members at the scene of a murder, at least. And saying that one of them confessed to it. Okay, so, yes, the Kenneth Copeland guy, he got arrested around in October 2020 for some other violent crime stuff, federal charges included, and now it looks like he's coming back and he was trying to lessen his own burden by giving up YSL. This is very wild. But if, I guess, us as the public, we, didn't, we don't know the people who are not superstars and all that good stuff. But in the YSL camp, I'm sure they probably knew immediately who was telling on them because they know who caught cases at what point in, in, in everything. And again, I found some other thing from justice.com or uh, justice.gov where it says that back in 2015, Copeland got caught with a firearm at a, at a public gym or whatever and got sentenced to five years. So he would have just been getting out of prison right in 2020. And then got locked right back up with this thing. If this is him, I don't know this again. This is a guy named Kenneth Copeland who was the same exact age as the person in question here. And he's in the same area in Atlanta. So I don't know. 
but this is just what I found when researching the name Kenneth Copeland. All of this is alleged because I don't know, uh, I don't have this man's social security number. I don't have his inmate number to look him up and verify that it's him in each one of these instances. But I will say the document that came out has Kenneth Copeland in bold letters. And when you look up Kenneth Copeland, these other articles match up pretty closely with what's going on in this YSL Rico case. Okay, it's, it's wild stuff, man. <clears throat> I didn't want to stick on that too long, but I did want to bring it up because it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. Again, we all we all kind of knew that somebody was telling. We just didn't know who. People people feel like they have information now, and it's it's ugly, man. And, and dude is not a he's he's federal. He's going federal. So if they are able to get him a time reduction, it'll be on the federal side of things. I think pretty sure he has fed charges. Now. In a nasty turn of events in the Georgia governor's race, remember I talked to y'all a couple weeks ago about how Stacey Abrams is going up against Brian Kemp and it's about to be tough for her because of the amount of Republican voters that have showed up in the primaries and it kind of indicates the sheer amount that will show up in the general election and how we all need to come together if we want Stacey Abrams to win it even though she had way more votes in this primary election than she did in the last one. Well, now she decided to come out and completely disrespect black male voters in Georgia. I really don't understand the angle here. I don't know if she thinks this is like some type of reverse psychology tactic where she'll blame black men ahead of time and then maybe that'll make us get fired up to go vote for her or something like that. The only problem with that is Stacey Abrams, ma'am, we were already voting for you in very extremely high numbers. She's saying, this, this is the article she went, this is a Yahoo News article. The headline is Stacey Abrams. If black men vote for me, I will win Georgia. The reason that's disrespectful is because when you make a statement like that, if black men vote for me, I'll win Georgia. It's, it also means if I lose Georgia, it's because black men didn't vote for me. And it's very strange that you would put the election on the backs of black men when in the last election you said you lost because Brian Kemp cheated and purged a bunch of voters that were registered. If that was the reason you lost before because of the, the lack of people who are eligible to vote, then why is it now because of black men that you will win or not win. It doesn't make sense. If you do win, we wouldn't take credit for it because we don't have the numbers that can push you to a win over the amount of the over the amount of Republicans that are in the state. Black men would never try to take credit for that because we know we're a small number of voters compared to other groups in the, in, in the state. So then why do you come out months before your election and say something like this and then to make it seem like us voting for you at 88% in the last election was a small number. She, she said only 80%. Well, she, no, this is the, the statement is, the statement is here. Abrams has 90% of the black female vote, but just 80% of the black male vote with another 10% undecided. How do you say just 80%? Can, 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 and I want to put this for everybody. Stacey Abrams included, if you get a chance to watch this. Can you show me another group besides black women that are voting for you at 80%? Can they show me another group besides black women or black men that vote for anybody at 80%?
even white people don't vote for Brian Kemp at 80%. White women don't, white men don't. Asian people don't vote for Brian Kemp or Stacey Abrams at 80%. Asian women don't, Asian men don't. Latino and Hispanic voters don't vote for Stacey Abrams or Brian Kemp at 80%. Latino men don't, Hispanic, I mean, uh, Latino women don't. So I'm trying to understand how 80 is a just or only number to you or to whoever wrote this article. 80% black male voters is an extremely high number, right? It's disrespectful to us. And, and honestly, that statement is not going to make more black men vote for you. It's going to make less black men vote for you because now you have disrespected people. People were going to vote because you or Kemp, Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams, neither of them have really any black agenda. They don't really have anything for us. The only reason that we would be voting is so that for representation, symbology, honestly, we would be voting for you because you're a black person. And we'd rather see you in the office as in a historic victory than Brian Kemp. That's the only reason you have anything for us, not for us specifically anyway. So you, you don't come out and say, if, if white women vote for me or if women of all colors vote for me, I'll win because that's more factual than the, than the black men's statement. There's more women of all colors in this state that vote than there are black men in this state that vote. But you didn't say that. You didn't target any other group. You targeted us. You know why? Because politically, we're an easy target. Because there's a lot of people that are get on that bandwagon. It's completely false. It's a terrible thing to say. And in 2018, 88% of black men voted for Stacey Abrams. Right? 90, only, only group that voted for you more than we did is black women at 97%, which is, which is extremely generous because you don't have an agenda for black women either. That's extremely generous because you don't have a, an agenda specifically for black women or black men. So the fact that you're getting around 90% or you're getting 92% of the total black vote is a little bit crazy because we don't even get anything out of this except symbology. We get to see you and you look like us. That's really the only thing we get out of it, unless you plan to win and pull a switcheroo and change the whole plan up. But black people, this is the thing that um, Democrats and black Democrats, y'all have to notice. Black voters don't owe you any vote because there's black Republicans running, too. Do we owe them our vote? Because y'all don't never y'all never use this type of rhetoric when it comes to the symbolic nature of a black Republican winning any offices. Why is it only good representation if a black Democrat wins? Why is it only a bad thing? Why is it why is it black people's fault when y'all lose elections when black people are the minority in every single election? And I don't mean minority like, you know, how we use the word minority to mean everybody that's not white. I mean minority meaning we are a very small percentage of total voters. Very small percentage. Black men probably what? 5 to 7% of the voters in Georgia? Maybe a little bit more. Maybe maybe we might be 10% of the total voters in Georgia, eligible voters in Georgia. So how can an election be put on us? If we, especially if we show up for you in around 90%, I mean, you just being crazy. You just being crazy. You, you, you know, whether you win or lose, it won't be on us. Black people will show up to vote for you the same way black people, black men and women included, have showed up for you in other elections. If you lose, it's on you, not us.
let me see here. Made up of nearly 11 million residents, Georgia's, Georgia has one of the most diverse populations in the country. The state is 51% white, 33% black, and 10% Hispanic, right? If every single black person in this state, every single eligible voting black person in the state voted for Stacey Abrams, she could still lose by thousands of thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of votes, right? So, I mean, y'all politicians, y'all have to relax. Y'all Democratic politicians have to stop trying to blame black people when y'all lose. It has nothing to do with us. Black people vote for y'all more than any other group at the percentage. You have to stop that. It's disrespectful. It's stupid. And, and it's not going to help you going forward into the future. You understand? I tried to break down the numbers as many ways as I could. I've been supporting Stacey Abrams for years now. And, and she's just tripping now. She, she's gone and she's been too separated from the actual state. She's been going all over the country doing speaking engagements, selling books. And I, I'm cool with that. I'm, I support all of that. But now you're getting disconnected from the people when you start saying stuff like that. Disconnected from the people for real. Because one of your main talking points on your last election was your brother that dealt with a lot of incarceration, going in and out of jail, drug abuse, all that, and how the system pretty much screwed him and, and set him up to be in that cycle. Now it's black men, that's the issue. I haven't heard, I haven't heard no Stacey Abrams speeches about her brother this time. Anybody else? Y'all heard any, any of that? I haven't. So you tried to you tried to use that narrative before to get us, and we eighty eight percent, ninety seven percent from the ladies. Now I guess that didn't work. So now it's like let's use the mainstream democratic tactic, and let's just blame black people. All right, we'll see how far that gets you, Miss Stacey Abrams. Moving right along to some something that's like good news for black people. Uh, California is is uh, making breakthroughs. Y'all know California has the massive reparations agenda happening right now. And the state, the, the state leaders are actually behind the, the movement. So they have this reparations movement right now. They're in the process of calculating how much would actually go to people who descend from Americans who were enslaved, right? And um, I love what they're doing over in California. This is an Axios article and the headline reads, California sets precedent by breaking down black employee data by lineage. And what does that mean? Excuse me. That means that there won't be, there will no longer be in California, there will no longer be one box for black people or it'll say black slash African-American. Pretty much for all of my life and pretty much the history of America, Blackness has been what they call flat blackness. Pretty much either if you're black, then that includes everybody. Whether you're an African-American or a descendant from American slavery, or whether you're Jamaican or Haitian or Nigerian or Ghanaian or South African or Kenyan, everybody is the same. If you are black, y'all are all the same. So why it's important in employment, and especially because California has a lot of schools, a lot of big schools. <clears throat> so what the, the reason it's important so important is because a lot of times our country will say that we've made progress to addressing the past of racism in America, <clears throat> redlining Jim Crow and all that, and they'll use the, the figures that we have, which will say black people have graduated this much from college, 
black people are making this much in the tech field and making this much as lawyers and doctors and things. But what <clears throat> what a lot of people in the ADOS and the FBA movement and different freedmen movements and different movements out there have pointed out for years is that a lot of the black people that they're counting that, that are in these Ivy League schools or in these doctor's offices as doctors and physicians and things, they're not the people who were enslaved in this country. And that's not to say that it's not still a good thing that there are black doctors, but the difference is you can't say that we are starting to make progress from the place that we came from 150 years ago if the people who were bogged down by the systems in America, if we're still in the same place and the only black faces that you have are people from other countries that were not enslaved here. Again, that's not to say it's not a good thing that we have black engineers from all over the world and black doctors from all over the world is to say that there has not been any progress to address the problems of the people who were held back in this country through slavery, Jim Crow, redlining, the, the lies in Reconstruction, the violence of the KKK, and the lies of the FHA system that held, not, not just the lies, but being excluded from FHA back in the early days, being excluded from getting VA home loans, that happened to us. We haven't been we haven't been made whole from that. But then they come and give us these stats and say, "Oh no, black people are doing amazing, right? Or doing a lot better than they used to do." Look at these numbers, and the numbers are not they're not telling you that those are not the same black people that all these other things happen to. So that was a long way of me saying this is a good thing that California is breaking it down because now when you when you get your new tech job, you'll say, "I'm a Nigerian." And that'll be a good thing. Okay, good. It's a good that a Nigerian got a job at Google. But as as time goes on and we start to see, okay, this is a, okay. I see Nigerian, Ghanaian, Nigerian, Ghanaian, Ethiopian, Ghanaian, Ethiopian, uh, Congolese, Liberian, huh? Haitian, Jamaican, hmm, Brazilian. So we start to realize that these are these are all first generation or second generation or immigrant people getting the jobs. Again, not to say it's a problem, it's to say you can't use that as any type of argument to say we are past some of the racist tendencies of America's history when the people who are the victims of that are still not able to get in the places that we couldn't get in before. Okay, let me read a little bit of this article. It says, why it matters. Advocates say the data disaggregation will help identify and address long-held inequities within black communities. Many descendants see it as a model for other states and the federal government to follow, and I agree. I think everybody needs to do this because this is just a California thing. So me, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. This won't impact me right now. Not right now. And I'm sure it'll take Georgia a long time to catch on. The federal government will have to start doing it before a lot of these southern states jump onto it. How it happened, this is back into the article, how it happened, descendants of enslaved people have said for years that disaggregating data to specify a category for descendants would benefit the community and enable more targeted services. Organizers took a page out of Asian American advocates book after seeing their successful effort to push the state to break down different ethnic groups and health data collection. So California is doing this for black people now, but not without precedent because they did this for Asian people. And it's funny because <clears throat> they did this for Asian people before and they didn't automatically go do it for every other um, every other group, a racial group. 
it's like, why do I need, why, why do you guys need to be told that this would benefit people if you already have proven that it will benefit Asians? If it will benefit Asian people, why would it not benefit every other racial group to break down ethnic groups separately so you can properly uh, track different health information or employment information or college graduation information? Just the same reason that you found that it would be beneficial to Asians, Asian people, it should have applied to everybody else without black people having to fight for it. Whatever. At least they, they did it now. Okay. This says the bill was initially introduced by assembly member Chris Holden, Democrat, but was ultimately folded into the same budget and signed into law this year. The language in the budget directs the state agencies to implement the mandate by 2024. So it'll be a couple years before we actually see it. Um, but it's fine. As long, like I said, as long as it's in the pipeline, that's cool. No one is denying that black people at large are marginalized in America, said Chris Lodgson lead organizer of the coalition for a just equitable california but the kind of historical oppression he faces as a, as a descendant has different consequences than the iniquities inequities more recent immigrants face he added a 2016 study found that in los angeles the median net worth for a black descendant of enslaved people is four thousand dollars compared to seventy two thousand for recent immigrant from african continent wow i need to read that again for you a 2016 study found that in Los Angeles, the median net worth for a black descendant of enslaved people is $4,000 compared to $72,000 for a recent immigrant from the African continent. Let's think about that for a second. Okay. The new desegregation mandate would help identify disparities in income, health outcomes, career growth, and state agencies' leadership, among other things. It'll, it would also allow the state to set aside specific benefits or programs as redress, Lodson said. You can't fix a problem until you see it, until you acknowledge it. Okay, I'm not going to read any more, but this is amazing. I love what California is doing. The, the reparations agenda that they have and the bill that they're working on is massive. It's amazing. It's setting the standard for every other state to follow. I don't care if it takes them five, 10, 15 years to follow, but they will follow up. I'm, I'm sure of it. It's gonna, this reparations thing will happen in our lifetime. Don't worry about it. I know there's a lot of people against it right now. That's fine. That's cool. It's gonna happen. But, but them disaggregating this data, disaggregating the racial and ethnic groups of blackness in America is about to be amazing. Just the fact that they found this out in 2016 that Black Americans have $4,000 compared to $72,000 for recent immigrants from Africa. It's crazy. But I'm glad they figured it out, man. Again, I'm not here to take up all y'all time. Make sure you subscribe to the network on YouTube. Make sure that you, you know, follow us on Instagram. Make sure you join the Reddit, uh, the regular topics. And we're, our, we're at the regular network on Instagram. We're at the regular network on YouTube, man. Check us out, The Regular Network on TikTok. I mean, we are everywhere at The Regular Network, man. So, appreciate your time, man. Peace out.